You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 410. I'm your host, Annika Harrison, and joining me this week is my co-host, Pontus Böckmann. Hallo! See ya! Well, well that's not my line. That was uh, Andras' <laughs> line. Yeah, we don't have an Andras today. Mm -hmm. he, he is ill, actually. It was uh, We had some last-minute rearrangements, so uh, not to go into all the details, but Annika was not supposed to be here today, but Andras was, and then Andras fell ill. Uh, I, I hope it, I don't think it's terribly uh, it's you don't have to be concerned but he couldn't do it and then we had to rearrange and uh, that means this will be a little bit of a pontus heavy episode i apologize for that <laughs> <laughs> because annika hasn't had time to prepare much there exactly. will be a little bit so she will be <laughs> she'll be my audience for part of the the episode i hope I'll that's okay lip. with you yeah yeah i'll add lip right. for you guys yes very good very good uh yes. so that's how it is today and that's how mm -hmm. it is sometimes and uh you know yeah it's sometimes hard work you just have to be flexible or as my grandma grandma says you have to be elastic <laughs> elastic that's what we are today very good very very good before we get into the meat of the show I want to say something. We sometimes mention space news in passing because we like space and Andras likes space a lot. Uh, so uh, uh, this week, I need to mention this week, and I really hope everything will go well because it's tomorrow as we record it, but Sweden will get its third astronaut in space. He will be going to the International Space Station. So I'm very excited about this. His name is Markus Vant, Markus Vant, and he <laughs> seems to be a great guy. I've heard uh, several interviews with him, and I, I don't know if it's good for an astronaut to be down to Earth, but I, that's how I want to describe him. <laughs> he seems like a great guy. He has a classical background for astronauts. He is a test pilot. He was working, uh, or is working, employed by Saab, who, who, who manufactures fighter jets. And he's also an engineer, very smart guy, apparently. He was only selected as a candidate in November 2022, and he got the final mission assignment as late as in June last year. That's very fast for an astronaut career. So I'm very proud of him. Mm -hmm. uh, so he will be the third one. Uh, the first Swede in space was Christer Fuglesang. He traveled uh, up to the ISS in 2006 and in 2009. He became a very special guy for us in the Swedish Skeptics because he was a member of VOF and had himself photographed in the ISS with the official VOF t-shirt, VOF t-shirt. And he also participated in a homeopathic suicide attempt, quote-unquote, with uh, these globulis, as I know you call them in, in Germany, the homeopathic pills. Yeah. <laughs> This was in 2011. And this was an, a demonstration organized by the Swedish skeptics. So that's uh, that was the first guy in space, and uh, we're very proud of him as well. In 2019, we had another Swede in space, Jessica Mayer. She mm -hmm. was born in the U.S., but has dual citizenship. I have I practiced to say that. That's very hard. <laughs> Citizenships. 
since her mother is Swedish. So that counts as Swedish, I think. Anyway, very exciting to follow Marcus Vant and his adventures when he takes off from Kennedy Space Center in Florida in his Falcon 9 rocket uh, tomorrow as we record this. It's not his rocket, but it'll be fun to follow. <laughs> yes, that's, it's, it's always interesting and I think space is uh, something we kind of we kind of all love. I don't know if it's um if if skeptics are space fans because of Carl Sagan could be could that be. it's just in our in our DNA in a way. <laughs> or if Carl Sagan was a skeptic because he was interested in space. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it goes both ways. A little bit of both maybe. <laughs> hmm. Um and a place where you can meet other skeptics is Skeptics in the Pub, of course. <laughs> oh yes. And there will be another Skeptics in the Pub in Cologne uh, very soon. And that is in about two weeks on the 1st of February. It will be with uh, Dr. Holm Hümmler. Oh, <laughs> who old also, friend of the show. Yes, yes, exactly. A well-known name <laughs> about uh, climate change or the climate crisis and um, the arguments of climate change deniers. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that will be exciting, and and as always, it's uh, won't only be in Cologne in person. You can also watch it um, streamed on YouTube. So yeah. yeah, will be will be cool. Yes, but it will be in German, of course. It, it's in German. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Will you be it's there, or will you follow it from home? I will probably follow it from home. Mm -hmm. I can't always uh, go there. I, I sometimes try. I did go before Christmas because it was so close to the holiday period. Mm -hmm. But now that I've also started work again, <laughs> and that means um, Luna has to sleep a bit more regularly because yeah. I can't just let her stay home. And that means I can't always go in the middle of the week <laughs> yeah, to, right. to evening um, events. But yeah, yeah. I, I will definitely either watch it or watch it later <laughs> yeah, yeah it's recorded as well or exactly. you, it's all yeah mm -hmm. yeah i we i really hope that we can get skeptics in the pub going in malmo as well where i mm -hmm. live we did a good job of it before the pandemic but mm. somehow afterwards we haven't ma really managed and part of it is that we lost our venue they don't mm. want us anymore yeah, i don't know yeah. what we did but uh they did change owners actually so they yeah. didn't understand us so but uh we will try to get that mm -hmm. Yeah. In order. Yeah, I'm just really happy we we managed to put that back on on its feet. Mm -hmm. Mostly thanks to a team of very dedicated five people. <laughs> but I don't want to um mention their names or so because I think they want to stay <laughs> stay busy in the background. <laughs> but yeah, like I know who they are and I'm very grateful to them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But now that I've gushed enough about <laughs> skeptics in the pub cologne, I think we should get on with the show, right? Yes. And because we don't have an Andras, I think we also don't have a Twish. Is that right? That is correct. No Twish today. Okay, then we should just jump over to the news. Yes. So the first item I have here, there's new disinformation regarding COVID vaccination that is about to uh, be spread online or everywhere. Uh, I can guarantee that because there's a government agency that has made a ruling in Sweden that a death was due to a COVID vaccination, which I don't believe was the case, or maybe it was. But in any case, this news will going to be misconstrued in, in the anti-vax movement. 
So the story is that in January 2022, Swedish man, incidentally also called Pontus, by the way, no <laughs> other, really, <laughs> that's just a coincidence, but he, he got vaccinated against COVID using the vaccine that is called Spike Vax from Moderna. Both he and his girlfriend were a bit hesitant against vaccinations, but he did it anyway. And then two weeks later at home, he said that he had heart palpitations. So his heart was beating too fast and he waited about an hour. But when he didn't feel better, he called 112, which is if you're in the US, you would have called 911. But since he wasn't in pain, they suggested that he was just having symptoms of anxiety. And and this really stood out to me. They also would refer him to a priest. So that that's no details on that in the news that I read. But I I don't know. Maybe he was religious and asked for that. But if not, that's very irregular mm -hmm. and very unusual. Yeah. But anyway, that wasn't the point. He talked with the the guys at the emergency in on his phone. He went outside to continue the conversation, but was later found dead on the street. Very tragic, of course, mm -hmm. terrible for for family and friends. Uh, he had a six-year-old daughter as well. The autopsy showed that he had an inflammation of the heart or in the heart. Mm -hmm. uh, there are reports that this can be a very rare side effect of this particular vaccine in younger persons, which is why it's no longer used in, in Sweden, at least. At, mm -hmm. at least not for that age group. I'm not exactly sure. But in the autopsy that was written, it said that even though there could be a connection to the vaccination, it was not likely. That's what it said. The girlfriend, of course, was not convinced and has tried ever since to get an official recognition that this was due to the vaccine. And now something called Kammarkollegiet, which if I understand doesn't make a lot of sense to anybody, not even <laughs> in Swedish, really. I don't know even know how to translate it. It's a very old government agency founded in the 1500s. So it's a medieval thing. Uh, Wikipedia uh, suggests a translation to the Legal, Financial and Administrative Services Agency, uh, which is not a literal translation, and I don't know where they got it from. Anyway, this agency has now ruled that the death was due to the vaccine and they have awarded damages to the family for because of that. Ridiculously low damages, though. We were like 3,000 euro, which is, I don't know, that's beside the point, but that's that was strange too. And, of course, the girlfriend is thankful for the recognition, but she has declared now very publicly that she will never take any kind of vaccination ever and she will not allow her child to do so either. So what can you say? I don't blame the girlfriend for, for how she feels. It must be terrible. Uh, and I, and I, can't, I can't imagine what she mm -hmm. has gone through. But the problem is that the tabloids in Sweden are now reporting this. And this is one example that I saw. Quote, Pontus, age 30, died from the Moderna vaccine. End quote. That is the message that is now spreading. And uh, this is not a court, this Kammarkollegiet, the strange agency. It's not a court, but I'm sure that the, a lot of anti-vaxxers will say, so it was proved in court that the vaccines are deadly and we will never hear the end of it. Yeah. So. And it's like, yes, of course, she's grieving and she's probably beyond rationality right now. But I think 
it, it is also dangerous to to not anti-vax your child. It's not only a like a, a wrong thing to not vaccinate. It's also dangerous because there, there's a reason why we vaccinate. So, yes, that's very very often the case that people don't realize that not doing a thing is also a decision that you should be responsible for. Yeah, you know, you you may think I'm not going to be responsible for having a vaccine getting into my child. No, but by taking that decision, you are also responsible for exposing that child for dangerous diseases. Maybe a bad comparison, but it's almost like if you see, if you're in, in a public bus and you see one kid hitting another kid and you look away and you don't do anything. That's hmm. also a decision that you don't do anything. I didn't want to get involved. Yeah, not getting involved. Hmm. But in that situation, uh, because as I said, it's a kid, hmm. um, it's not an adult, you don't, you're not at risk yourself. It's not a good decision to look away in that regard. And it's also not a good decision to not get vaccinated. Hmm. Have you heard, is, I, I'm putting you on the spot now, Annika, but have you heard of similar things in Germany? Has there been decisions like this? Um, well, we of course have anti-vax people, but... No, but, but avoiding damages for quote-unquote damage. We could probably ask my colleague and yeah. friend Bernd Harder. He would probably know because he's writing okay. the Can you call excellent... him right now or should we get back to <laughs> Yeah, we should go back to the show, but he's doing the very excellent Give You a Pay a blog. So he wouldn't mm -hmm. know, but okay. as I, I don't have a standing line uh, with him, <laughs> we can't call yeah, him right No, now. but the reason I ask is I mm -hmm. haven't heard about this from anywhere in Europe yet. Mm -hmm. Of course, we do report from time to time that courts, actual courts, get involved and award damages for... I think there was just last week there was one thing. But uh, yeah, and sometimes it's okay. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it's going to be totally misreported mm. or it is already misreported yeah well but dear listeners if you listen to this and you're from a european country that is not sweden and you heard of <laughs> a case like this then uh yeah right let us know info at the esp.eu <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely mm -hmm. all right so going further here i have two stories from retraction watch Two different stories, but they're from the same source. So Retraction Watch is, of course, the website and the database that has taken upon itself to document exactly which scientific papers have been retracted due to problems with them, because that happens and we need to keep track of that. And, and nobody's doing this, really, not officially. They, this is a private initiative. They are now being, uh, we reported on that last year, that they have now received proper funding. Uh, so it's very good. So, of course, scientific papers can be retracted if they are found to be sloppy or dishonest or even fraudulent. So maybe sometimes you find papers that shouldn't even have been, well, this is for papers that shouldn't have been published in the, in the first place. It's not enough that they are wrong, because you can do proper science and even get to the wrong conclusion, but that shouldn't be retracted. I mean, that's that's part of the ongoing dialogue of, of uh, science, that others come in and... Sh but this is for papers that are really, really wrong, to use a phrase. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so the first case I'm going to talk about is about a researcher in Turkey that managed to publish seven papers about Islamic practices in journals typically dedicated to childhood diseases. And the problem with that is that all of them are obviously written to justify religious practices. 
not to establish objective scientific facts. So among these articles are uh, such gems as, quote, the importance of religion, spirituality and spiritual care in patients with multiple sclerosis, end quote. And my favorite is, quote, hijab protects adolescent girls and women from sexual harassment, end quote. <laughs> so all these papers, these seven papers are written by, and here I will need some pronunciation help from somebody. Please write in and help me. But I'm going to pronounce it Hussein Chaksen, and he is from Nekmetin or Nesmetin. Erbakan University. I will not try to say it again. I know, Serdar, if you're listening, please re record <laughs> your voice and send it in. Serdar is our friend from Turkey. He, he can probably help. But all of these papers have now been retracted with the same comment, namely that they are, quote, lacking scientific base, end quote. So that's good. And I guess, perhaps, if I really bend over backward... I can maybe see how you could argue that it's valuable to scientifically find out whether women wearing hijabs are less likely to be raped. Maybe, maybe. But if you're trying to justify your own religious conviction by trying to prove that women are at fault for being raped because they fail to cover themselves up, then it's not science anymore. And apparently there was not much science in these papers. Anyway, he was just expressing his religious beliefs mm -hmm. which religion yeah. aside is is bad signs it is it is unless you study religious history or yeah, something sure. objectively mm -hmm. objective but yeah. uh, but if yeah. you put your findings first and then do the study then mm, it's not how then it it's always be. bad science <laughs> yes. or not science yeah yeah <laughs> yeah Yeah, so that's that's one. But it, it, you you wonder, of course, how did these papers get published in the first place? Mm -hmm. Because they're supposed to be peer-reviewed and scrutinized. And we know that that doesn't always work. And this is uh, uh, proof of that. Okay, so the next retraction story is about an old, quote-unquote, friend of ours, Didier Raoul. Do you remember mm. him? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The name yeah. sounds very familiar. Yeah, he gained a lot of attention in 2020 when he kept claiming that hydroxychloroquine was an effective drug to prevent and treat COVID. Uh, he never produced any objective proof of this, but he refused to back down. And we know that it was repeated by everybody, including Donald Trump. So um, that was uh, really bad. Uh, apparently, that was not the only shady business he has been up to. We have interviewed Elizabeth Bick on this show on episode 308, and she has been studying some of his research. Elizabeth Bick is an expert in investigating scientific papers to find irregularities or, or even fraud. Very often she finds that the same picture appears in many different papers so they mm. take one and they say this is what I found here okay but it happens to be from another paper or this is the same one it's just you've just turned it upside down or made it the wrong way around so you wouldn't recognize but she's been very, she's apparently very good at spotting those things she is a great person to do this and she has received prizes for this as well she got the John Maddox prize and the Occam award as well mm -hmm. Already in May 2021, she raised concerns regarding papers written by Didier Raoul. 
And Raoul responded by trying to sue her, which thankfully that went no- nowhere. But it was hard. He, she was really harassed by him. Others have also looked into Raoul's research, and now seven of his papers have been retracted after a university investigation found breaches of research ethics. Among other things, the notice regarding one paper said that the paper falsely claimed to have received ethical approval by the local ethics committee before it was conducted, and that was simply a lie. They hadn't gotten this ethical approval. And uh, it also had this to say, quote, Formally, this paper could not be deemed in conformity with the Declaration of Helsinki and the French law and regulations, end quote. So that's really bad. I mean, if you fail to follow the Declaration of Helsinki, which regulates how experimentation on on humans is not allowed, then um, I don't think you know what you're doing. So mm-hmm. again, we have proof or indications that this road guy is not to be trusted and seems to be a real bad person as well. How, how can you experiment on people Yeah, without ethical approval? I guess you wouldn't get the ethical approval, but then you lie and say that you had approval. Yeah. So um, ethically, yeah. really, really wrong. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, we we have no, we have no really wrong today, but I guess unofficially he can get one. Mm-hmm. I, he has received a few in the past, I believe. So uh, that that's not good at all. Definitely not. So that was uh, a lot of Pontus, as I warned you in the <laughs> beginning. Uh, but as yeah. as I said, Andras couldn't be here, and you didn't have time to prepare. So yeah, I guess we'll move on. From the news. From the Pontus news. (laughs) (laughs) From the Pontus news, yes. Yeah. We'll find out who has been really wrong or really right this week. And this week, as you've already alluded to, we don't have a really wrong. We have a really right. (laughs) And it's a bit German. Or it's Mm -hmm. very German. (laughs) Because this week's prize will go to our German health minister, Karl Lauterbach. But now you, of course, want to know why. Karl Lauterbach is pushing to end the funding of homeopathic treatments through the German health insurance system. As skeptics know, he says that homeopathy lacks scientific evidence and should not be supported by health insurance because the coverage is basically legitimizing homeopathy in a way. Hmm. He says that there's a big need for policies uh, to be based on scientific backing. And he says resources for treatments that don't have medical verifiable benefits shouldn't be used. No, that should be pretty obvious. Obvious, yes, should be obvious. (laughs) And he already had expressed that intention earlier, but it seems to now actually been happening. Yeah, that's good. That's just very good news. We are all happy to hear that. And of course, that really led to heaps of articles about it in a target show, which is like our biggest news outlet, so to say, a newspaper and other magazines and blogs. Yeah. And ha- was- has there been any pushback from the homeopathic uh, Not people? Yet. They probably have no? to regroup first. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't know what... what to- mm-hmm. And it's, we've been waiting for this to happen because I mm-hmm. remember when he was I think it was about two years ago he was appointed and he 
succeeded. Was it Jens Spahn? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So my memory is fine, mm-hmm. uh, or at least partly fine. Uh, anyway, we had high hopes for Carl uh, Lauterbach mm. when yeah, he, he took when a sweet he time. <laughs> because he had before he became the, the health minister, he had publicly announced that he didn't like homeopathy or mm-hmm. he didn't want to fund things that are not proven to work, which is, as I said before, obviously you shouldn't. And as you said, it's not just the money. If you do that as a government or an official, well, whatever it is, you legitimize it. Mm-hmm. And people are thinking, well, the government is paying for it, so it can't be nonsense. Well, sometimes the government pays for nonsense. Yeah. But I should say, just clarify one thing, Annika. He hasn't actually stopped it yet, has he? No, it, it's basically a, I want to do it. <laughs> yeah, and, and he the tweeted media about all, it yes. or something. Yeah. yeah. And the media, um, they all jumped onto it and were like, yay! And everyone was, was bashing homeopathy. Yeah, Good. but there's nothing signed yet, nothing um no. I guess he needs to get it approved in, in the parliament. Mm-hmm. It needs to be pushed through first, but it's an important first step. So right. well done. For that, Karl Lauterbach will receive this week's prize for being really right. Woohoo! Finally! Yay! <laughs> 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 yeah, as uh, we don't have a word of the week, I guess. <laughs> no, no. That's why this basically concludes the show already. A mm, little bit shorter than usual, but uh, that's how it goes exactly. sometimes. That's how it is. <laughs> but of course, I don't want to let anyone go without a quote. Yes, and this quote is by a Swedish professor of theoretical philosophy at Stockholm University and a member of both the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences and the Swedish Academy, which is, as you told me before, Pontus, is a language academy, right? Yes, the Swedish Academy is is a very old and prestigious academy that tries to track the Swedish language to mm-hmm. protect... I, I guess in, initially it was to protect the Swedish language to make it sh- sure that everybody spoke properly, but now it's more enlightened, if you will, and now mm-hmm. it documents its r- writing long dictionaries and describing the Swedish language uh, from the late 1700s until up to today. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> so so it's, you haven't mentioned no. her name yet, mm-hmm. but before you say, I'm really, really impressed that you could be both on the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences and the Swedish Academy mm-hmm. at the same time. So it's, who is it? It's almost one <laughs> of these universal scientists. <laughs> and yeah. I will probably butcher her name, but I would guess she's pronounced Osa Vikfors. That's excellent. That's perfect. Ah. <laughs> Osa Vikfors. Yes, that's her and I've met her. She's also a fantastic, uh, v- very smart person mm-hmm. and very nice. <laughs> <laughs> really cool. Mm-hmm. And she says, and I quote, The claim that there is a fundamental contradiction between being a rational thinking person and having strong emotions is both wrong and dangerous. End quote. Right. As I said, she's very smart mm-hmm. and nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Recognizing that being... A rational thinking person doesn't exclude being a real human being mm-hmm. with emotions. Yeah. Mm. It takes away a bit of our power if we say, oh, um, and it's also like for me, it's almost a bit dehumanizing if someone tells me, oh, you're not rational just because I have an emotion. You know? Yeah. 
It's not okay. So yes. thank you for that quote, author and um, Pontus, who supplied it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I dig it up. I dug it up. And I also translated it into English. Yes, very good. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And also thank you to our listeners who are coming back week after week. Please keep doing so. And thank you, Pontus, for doing this show with me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Andras, for coming back when you feel better. And until next week, goodbye. Hello. Tschüss. Wieslat. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe But has dual citizenship... I have I've practiced to say that, that's very hard. Has dual citizenship... <laughs> citizenships